Okay, comfy normies. Today we need to talk a little bit about internet censorship. And even though I'm not a journalist, it's important to talk about the kind of restraints that journalists are under right now. And if I were a journalist, I'd probably be dead already. So let's leap right in here and start talking about the CIA. I'm sure they'll like that. So much of what the CIA used to do covertly, it now does overtly by Caitlin Johnstone. In the later years of an abusive relationship I was in, my abuser had become so confident in how mentally caged he had me that he'd start overtly telling me what he is and what he was doing. He flat out told me he was a sociopath and a manipulator, trusting that I was so submitted to his will by that point that I'd gaslight myself into reframing those statements in a sympathetic light. Toward the end, one time, he told me, I am going to rape you. And then he did. And then he talked about it to some friends, trusting that I'd run perception management on it for him. The better he got it psychologically twisting me up in knots, and the more submitted I became, the more open he'd be about it. He seemed to enjoy doing this, taking a kind of exhibitionist delight in showing off his accomplishments at crushing me as a person, both to others and to me, like it was his art, and he wanted it to have an audience to appreciate it. I was reminded of this while watching a recent Fox News appearance by Glenn Greenwald where he made an observation we've discussed here previously about the way the CIA used to have to infiltrate the media, but now just openly has U.S. intelligence veterans in mainstream media punditry positions managing public perception. If you go and Google, and I hope your viewers do, Operation Mockingbird, what you will find is that during the Cold War, these agencies used to plot about how to clandestinely manipulate the news media to disseminate propaganda to the American population. They used to try and do it secretly. They don't even do it secretly anymore. They don't need Operation Mockingbird. They literally put John Brennan, who works for NBC, and James Clapper, who works for CNN, and tons of FBI agents right on the payroll of these news organizations. They now shape the news openly to manipulate and deceive the American population. So if you're an American wondering what foreknowledge and involvement did the FBI have in January 6th, if you go and listen to those networks, you're going to get lies because the only people that are asking are people who are serving those agencies and acting to disseminate disinformation. That's what those outlets are. Skipping ahead. In 1977, Carl Bernstein published an article titled The CIA and the Media reporting that the CIA had covertly infiltrated America's most influential news outlets and had over 400 reporters who it considered assets in a program known as Operation Mockingbird. It was a major scandal, and rightly so. The news media are meant to report truthfully about what happens in the world, not manipulate public perception to suit the agendas of spooks and warmongers. Nowadays, the CIA collaboration happens right out in the open, and the public is too brainwashed and gaslit to even recognize this as scandalous. Immensely influential outlets like the New York Times uncritically pass on CIA disinfo, which is then spun as fact by cable news pundits. The sole owner of the Washington Post is a CIA contractor, and WAPO has never once disclosed this conflict of interest when reporting on U.S. intelligence agencies per standard journalistic protocol. Mass media outlets now openly employ intelligence agency veterans like John Brennan, James Clapper, Chuck Rosenberg, Michael Hayden, Frank Figluzzi, Frank Townsend, Stephen Hall, Samantha Vinograd, Andrew McCabe, Josh Campbell, Asha Rangappa, Phil Mudd, 
James Galliano, Jeremy Bash, Susan Hennessy, Ned Price, and Rick Francona as are known CIA assets like NBC's Ken Delanian, as are CIA interns like Anderson Cooper, and CIA applicants like Tucker Carlson. They're just rubbing it in our faces now, like they're showing off. I'll leave that article there, and you can read it later. As always, it's linked in the show notes. Now we turn to another article by Caitlin Johnstone. Biden administration completely kills the it's a private company so it's not censorship argument. In what's surely the biggest imagine the outrage if Trump had done that moment to date, the Biden administration has admitted that it is giving Facebook a list of accounts to censor for spreading disinformation about the COVID-19 response. Disinformation in air scare quotes. We've increased disinformation research and tracking, Press Secretary Jen Psaki told the press on Thursday. Within the Surgeon General's office, we're flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect medical experts with people who are popular with their audiences with accurate information and boost trusted content. We've talked about that before on this channel. So we're helping get trusted content out there. Uh, with these social media platforms uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given as Dr. Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID nineteen the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen, in the presidents, the vice presidents, and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with. Here's a reply from Jake Dunand. The person who was Facebook's COVID fact checker was the guy Fauci funded for gain of research lab work. People were banned for mentioning a lab leak. The state is literally working with media to selectively control what information is and isn't spread. The United States of something or other, the United States of authoritarianism, Saki told the White House Press Corps that the administration has a list of accounts who produce most of the anti-vaccine information on Facebook, which civil libertarians are decrying as an obviously authoritarian government overreach. The Biden administration is telling Facebook which posts it regards as problematic so that Facebook can remove them, Glenn Greenwald said on Twitter in response to the news. This is the union of corporate and state power one of the classic hallmarks of fascism that the people who spent five years babbling about fascism support. I remember saying, dear viewers and listeners, in the months that led up to our last presidential election that Biden and Trump were equally fascistic. At this point, if anything, I think Biden is more fascistic. If you don't find it deeply disturbing that the White House is flagging internet content that they deem problematic to their Facebook allies for removal, then you are definitely an authoritarian, Greenwald said. No other information is needed about you to know that. 
There is no circumstance, none, in which it's acceptable for the White House or any other agency of the government to be providing lists to Facebook of problematic content it wants removed. Yet that's exactly what Psaki says they're doing. The White House is admitting that they're compiling lists of people who they claim are posting content they regard as problematic and that constitute misinformation and are demanding Facebook remove them. This is authoritarianism. The most common argument you'll hear from those who support monopolistic social media giants controlling speech on their platforms is that these are private corporations, not the government, so it doesn't count as censorship. Whenever you object to Silicon Valley oligarchs exerting total control over the political speech of billions of people, mainstream liberals instantly transform into an army of Ayn Rands defending the private property rights of those companies. The fact that these platforms are inseparably interwoven with the highest branches of the U.S. federal government kills such arguments stone dead. And if you were paying attention, that argument was already dead. All of these online platforms use censorship and algorithm manipulation to hide undesirable political speech from the mainstream public in direct collaboration with government and government-tied institutions. In 2017, Senator Dianne Feinstein threatened social media platforms that alleged Russian interference in the 2016 election means they need to start utilizing more censorship or else face consequences, saying, You created these platforms and they are being misused, and you have to be the ones to do something about it, or we will. And even though you've probably heard this next quotation on a previous show of mine, it bears repeating. The point is that Congress brings these social media platforms in and explains things to them on a regular basis. That same year, representatives from top internet platforms were brought before Congress and told they needed to adopt a mission statement expressing their commitment to prevent the fomenting of discord because civil wars don't start with gunshots, they start with words. Damn straight. And that's why I'm talking so much. In the lead-up to the 2020 election, online platforms were openly coordinating with U.S. government agencies to censor speech believed to compromise election integrity. And during those months, I was in Facebook jail more than I was out of it. Facebook, the largest social media platform in the world where a third of Americans regularly get their news, openly enlists the government and plutocrat-funded imperialist narrative management firm, the Atlantic Council, we've talked about them before, to help it determine what content to censor and what to boost. Facebook has stated that if it's fact checkers, fact checkers, like the Atlantic Council deem a page or domain guilty of spreading false information, it will dramatically reduce the distribution of all their page level or domain level content on Facebook. They should call it fascist book. Google, which owns YouTube, has been financially intertwined with U.S. intelligence agencies since its very inception when it received research grants from the CIA and NSA. It pours massive amounts of money into federal lobbying and D.C. think tanks, has a cozy relationship with the NSA, and has been a military intelligence contractor from the beginning. Here's a tweet from Justin Amash. Americans deserve to know to what extent the federal government works with social media companies. Is there any quid pro quo? The First Amendment exists to keep the government from controlling what Americans hear. Free societies counter misinformation with information, not bans. 
Democrats have summoned tech executives to the Congress at least four times in the last year, Greenwald replied to Amash. The last time, they repeatedly and explicitly threatened regulatory and other legal punishment if they don't start censoring more. The content Dems regard as disinformation or hate speech. In a corporatist system of government where there is no separation between corporate power and state power, corporate censorship is state censorship. The actual government as it actually exists is censoring the speech not just of its own people, but people around the world. If U.S. law had placed as much emphasis on the separation of corporation and state as it had on the separation of church and state, the country would be unrecognizably different from what we see today. Only infantile narcissists and power-worshipping bootlickers want the most powerful government on earth controlling what people are allowed to say to each other about a virus response which affects everybody, and only those with no sense of self-preservation entrust worldwide human speech to an alliance of government agencies and powerful tech plutocrats. We cannot keep heading in this direction. Here's an article by Duncan Campbell and Duncan Campbell, two different people how a proposed secrecy law would recast journalism as spying. This law is called the Official Secrets Act, and the plans would remove the public interest defense for whistleblowing and could put reporters in jail. Here we go again. Nearly 50 years ago, one of us was arrested under the Official Secrets Act for working on a story for Time Out magazine, where the other one of us was the news editor. This led to the so-called ABC case, named after fellow reporter Crispin Aubrey, a brave ex-soldier whistleblower called John Barry, and the aforesaid Campbell. A lengthy Old Bailey trial followed in 1978, and with it, a major discrediting of the use of the act against the press. Soon after, the power of the pre-First World War, Empire-era secrecy laws sank further when a jury acquitted the late Clive Ponting, a senior civil servant who sent MPs information about government deception during the Falklands War. A hasty law reform flopped in 2004 when evidence against the GCHQ whistleblower Catherine Gunn had to be withdrawn at the last minute. The government feared her trial would reveal that it had been told the Iraq War would be illegal. The Home Office now wants harder and more extensive secrecy laws that would have the effect of deterring sources, editors, and reporters, making them potentially subject to uncontrolled official bans not approved by a court, and punished much more severely if they do not comply. In noisy political times, a government consultation issued two months ago has had worryingly little attention. Although portrayed as countering hostile activity by state actors, the new laws would, if passed, ensnare journalists and sources whose job is reporting unauthorized disclosures that are in the public interest. That, my dear friends, is whistleblowing. Endorsed by the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, the consultation argues that press disclosures can be worse than spying because the work of a foreign spy will often only be to the benefit of a single state or actor. Calling for Parliament to consider increased maximum sentences, the Home Office claims that there is now not necessarily a distinction in severity between espionage and the most serious unauthorized disclosures, including onward disclosure in the press. Journalism could even create far more serious damage than a spy. Yet the 66-page document does not mention journalism once and refers only to onward disclosure without authorization. Which, if you've been paying attention to this channel, sounds a lot like what Julian Assange does as a matter of course. 
A new proposal for so-called civil orders would create a power of last resort that would enable the government to impose a range of restrictions on particular individuals. The orders could include a range of restrictive and preventative measures, including measures to prevent an individual associating with certain people or from visiting specified sensitive locations and ought to be imposed by the executive rather than the courts. Whoa. The orders would create a significant deterrent against those who may be vulnerable and susceptible to foreign state coercion and influence. Skipping ahead, slowed further by the impact of COVID-19, the Law Commission published revised proposals last autumn. They recommended that a statutory public interest defense should be created for anyone, including civilians and journalists, that they can rely upon in court. Journalists and sources should not be convicted if it was in the public interest for the information disclosed to be known by recipients. An independent statutory whistleblower commissioner should be established to receive and investigate allegations of wrongdoing or criminality. The Home Office wants to jump these proposals is not the right balance in this area. The idea that any unauthorized disclosure of official data could be in the public interest should not be possible, it says. It derides the idea of whistleblower protection, asking for any evidence why existing government whistleblowing processes would necessitate the creation of a statutory commissioner. Nor, it says, should a whistleblower be allowed to argue that they acted in the public interest. One of the main changes is to widen the scope for prosecutions. For public servants, according to proposals, offenses should not continue to require proof of damage as is currently the case. Instead, they should require proof of a sufficiently culpable mental state, by which we mean, for example, proof of the defendant's knowledge or belief that the disclosure would cause damage. This is me. They're really trying to crack down on whatever a whistleblower can do and get away with. Maximum prison sentences that could be imposed on publishers or sources, currently two years under the Official Secrets Act, for unauthorized disclosures would be multiplied to an unspecified higher level. Responses to the new proposals are being sought by July 22nd. If editors and journalists and advocates of an open society do not highlight the dangers and call a halt, the current gung-ho authoritarian approach of the government could allow press freedom to be clamped into silence. So as I've mentioned before, you should think of the United Kingdom and probably France and the United States and other major countries as part of this cabal. It's not going to be safe anywhere to be a whistleblower. So now here's Caitlin Johnstone again to help us tell the difference between totalitarian regimes and free democracies. In totalitarian regimes, they have massacres and wars. In free democracies, they have humanitarian interventions. In totalitarian regimes, they use torture. In free democracies, they use enhanced interrogation techniques. In totalitarian regimes, they fund terrorist groups to create instability. In free democracies, they fund terrorist groups to create stability. In totalitarian regimes, evil dictators bomb their own people. In free democracies, we do it for them. In totalitarian regimes, a single party upholds and enforces the status quo. In free democracies, two parties uphold and enforce the status quo. In totalitarian regimes, the government controls the press and determines what information the public is allowed to have access to. In free democracies, it is billionaires who do this. 
In totalitarian regimes, they waged brutally violent crackdowns on protesters to quash dissent. In free democracies, they do this also, but then they kneel while wearing kente cloth. In totalitarian regimes, you know exactly who rules over you. In free democracies, the true rulers hide behind fake puppet governments. In totalitarian regimes, any elections they have are rigged and challengers are hand-picked by the authoritarian rulers. In free democracies, the rulers rig the elections and handpick the candidates, and they do this to other countries as well. In totalitarian regimes, they imprison journalists for revealing inconvenient truths about the powerful. In free democracies, they imprison journalists for revealing inconvenient truths about the powerful, and all the other journalists jump on social media to say he deserved it. In totalitarian regimes, they don't let political dissidents speak. In free democracies, they just refuse dissidents any influential platforms and use algorithms to keep revolutionary ideas from being heard by a significant number of people. Ding, ding, ding! In totalitarian regimes, they circle the planet with military bases, wage endless wars which kill millions, and work to destroy any nation which disobeys their government. Whoops! Sorry! That's actually free democracies. In totalitarian regimes, political speech is heavily regulated by the government. In free democracies, political speech is heavily regulated by the government via Silicon Valley. In totalitarian regimes, the citizenry are kept impoverished while the rulers live lavishly with more than they could ever spend. In free democracies, the citizenry are kept impoverished while the rulers live lavishly with more than they could ever spend. In totalitarian regimes, there is lack. In free democracies, there is artificial lack. In totalitarian regimes, the government spy agency tells the news media what stories to run, and the news media unquestioningly publish it. In free democracies, the government spy agency says, Buddy, have I got a scoop for you, and the news media unquestioningly publish it. In totalitarian regimes, bands of armed thugs patrol the streets to enforce obedience to authority. In free democracies, bands of armed thugs patrol the streets to enforce obedience to authority, and Hollywood makes movies about how heroic they are. In totalitarian regimes, students are taught to mindlessly worship a picture of the evil dictator. In free democracies, students are taught to mindlessly worship the flag. In totalitarian regimes, students are taught never to question authority. In free democracies, students are taught never to question the news reporters. Some of my dear viewers and listeners are my students, and if that's not the case, please make a comment underneath. In totalitarian regimes, they commit evil deeds which free democracies could never get away with doing. In free democracies, they have totalitarian regimes commit those evil deeds for them. In totalitarian regimes, the people are kept too brutalized and cowed to rise up against their rulers. In free democracies, the people are kept too propagandized and brainwashed to rise up against their rulers. Ain't that the truth? In totalitarian regimes, the powerful determine what happens regardless of the desire of the people. In free democracies, the powerful determine what the people will desire to happen. In totalitarian regimes, everyone is a slave to the powerful. In free democracies, everyone is a slave, trademark, to the powerful, Trademark. In totalitarian regimes, you are forced to obey. In free democracies, you are trained to think your obedience was your own idea. In totalitarian regimes, you are not free, and you know it. 
In free democracies, you are not free and you don't know it.